Just to give us a bit of context before we read it, up until now, um, Abraham, he's left uh, his land where he was living. He's gone into what is going to be the promised land, the land God's going to give to him. God's given him two major promises, really. He's given him promise that his descendants uh, will be numerous and uh, will, uh, all nations will be blessed through Abraham and his descendants. And uh, he's given him a promise that this land is going to come into, uh, inherited. Obviously, other people there at the time. Um, he's just gone into battle against uh, a number of kings, four kings who had uh, defeated five other kings and captured off, uh, captured lots of things and uh, also captured Lot, Abraham's nephew. He's just defeated uh, those kings, rescued Lot, Lot's come back. Uh, he's refused to take any of the plunder himself. Uh, he'd promised God beforehand, no, I'm not going to take any of this. Um, and so this is where we find him at the start of chapter 15. It says this, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land, to take possession of it. But Abraham said, oh, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all these to him, cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he didn't cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and ill-treated for 400 years. But I'll punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they'll come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites hasn't yet reached its full measure." When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking brazier with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadamites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Okay. So Abraham or Abram, as he was still known at the time, has just taken a huge step of faith. He's gone out and won this battle against the four kings. And actually, he's then taken another great step of faith because he's refused to take any of the plunder from the victory. He's, he's said, look, I'm, I'm not going to believe that this is the way I'm going to get blessed and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become fruitful and I'm going I'm to become rich. It's God who's going to give me everything he gives me, so I'm, I'm not taking it. Big steps of faith. And uh, after taking such big steps of faith, it's, it's not surprising really that Abraham goes on a bit of a downer. 
Um, he, he's really struggling at this point in this chapter. The same thing happened to Elijah in 1 Kings 19. Elijah uh, had won a great battle upon Mount Carmel, really. He was, he was stepping out in massive uh, faith because all of the prophets of Baal were there and um, they were all calling down on their God to act in, uh, in chapter 18. And the fire of uh, the Lord comes as Elijah calls on it. And he's poured water on the offering and he says, God, you show that you are the true God now. You come. And he did. Great, amazing step of faith. Great victory that he's won. But then in chapter 19, we see how Elijah flees. And in verse 3 of chapter 19, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And he sits down under a tree and he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And he lays down under the tree and he falls asleep. You think, what's going on here? He's just won a great battle. Surely he should be on a major high. Surely he should be thinking, I'm in, uh, undefeatable. Nothing's going to happen. But no, because he takes a great step of faith. And then afterwards, there's the vulnerability that comes. And that's what happened here with Abraham. He's, he's won a great battle, great steps of faith. But now the vulnerability comes. Now the thoughts come in. Now the depression comes in. How is this going to work out? I just don't, I just don't get it. When we step out in faith, for all of us, it can be a vulnerable time. And we, we need to encourage each other. We need to recognize vulnerabilities. Encourage each other means give courage. Give courage to each other. That's what we can do as a church as we meet together. Abraham, though, God graciously comes to him and encourages him himself personally in a vision. And he says, don't be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. I am your shield. I am the one who is going out and winning the battles for you. You've gone out and you've gone with your mates and you've won this great battle. But you know what, Abraham? I am your shield. I am the one who defends you. I am the one who gives you the victory. I will protect you. And I am your very great reward. Don't, don't be having second thoughts. Don't wonder, have you done the right thing in turning down this, this amazing amount of, of money and plunder and slaves and servants and, and just saying, no, 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 I promise I won't take it, so I'm not taking it. No, you've done the right thing, Abraham, because I am your great reward. I am far better than any earthly reward. The best thing, the best thing we can ever have in life is God himself. That's the best thing we can ever have. And Abraham hears this from God in a vision. I am your shield. I am your great reward. And God still graciously encourages us today. He still speaks to us today. He speaks to us through a number of ways. He speaks to us through his word. As we read his word, we can suddenly come across a verse, a, a passage that we'd not, maybe we thought we knew and, and we just think, oh, do you know, this is so encouraging. I'm really going to feed off this. I know that we talked at the start and, and, and about Arnold. And obviously this is a major thing in the life of the church at the moment. That's happening. Arnold being in hospital, being ill, being diagnosed with cancer. And he's there and, and not really knowing what's, what's going on in his body at the moment. How's he going to be encouraged? Well, as I saw him the other day, he said, I'm encouraged because... I read the word. 
I'm meditating on the word. People are texting and emailing passages. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm feeding on that. That's bringing courage. We're encouraging each other. God also encourages us when he speaks to us prophetically, doesn't he? So we, we, that happened on Friday. We joined together as a church. We're calling on God. We're crying out to God. Oh, God, bring healing. And then towards the end of the meeting, God speaks through his prophet. Oh, yes. Oh, we need you to speak, God. We need you to speak. It's so, we feed off that. We get courage from that. We're encouraged in a time of difficulties. Do come and join us as we pray together. Yes, we want to pray about all sorts of things. We want to pray for Arnold throughout the week and other things. We can pray individually where we are, but you know, joining together as a church, then we hear his word. Then we hear from God. Oh yeah, we can be encouraged. We can be strengthened. But Abraham responds to God. Abraham has this vision, but he responds to God. Abraham's got some questions to ask. He's got some questions. He's not sure. He knows. He knows he's had these promises from God. But now he's wondering, is God really going to do what he says he's going to do? He can't see how it's going to happen. How is that going to come about? You know, he's had two major promises from God. He's had his promises about the descendants and about the land. And it's been years It's been years since he left his home. And what's happened? He's nearly lost his wife. His wealth has just caused trouble between him and Lot. He's had to go and rescue Lot. And even though he's defeated four kings and liberated Lot, they've they've gone back. Even the ones who've been defeated, they've gone back to where they were. They've continued to rule. He's going to think, how is this going to happen? You know, I've just won an amazing victory. But now this, this land is still not mine. How am I going to get it? How is it going to happen? He he probably thought that was the time. He probably thought that was the time that God was going to give it him. But no. No. It's not happened. Why? He's wrestling with it. And children. Children. I've still got no children, he's thinking. Both he and Sarai, his wife, they're getting older and older. He's heard the promise years ago. I'm going to give you a child. I'm going to give you descendants. And it's like, but where? Where's it going to come from? How's it going to happen? I don't get it. I just don't get it. And there's a, there's a great pain that's there with him. There's a pain anyway that's carried with childlessness. It doesn't go away as you get older. It doesn't go away with other things. It doesn't go away when you adopt. It doesn't go away, you know, and it's intensified for Abraham because he's got this promise and he's actively believing for it. He can't just go, oh, well, you know, I'm too old now. I'm going to put that out of my mind. I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about that anymore. You know, obviously not what God's got for me, but you know, no, he's believing something. He's got a word from God. God's saying, are you going to believe me? And he's thinking, but look at me. Look at my body, it's falling apart. Look at my wife. How's it going to happen? The years are going on. How is that going to happen? And all around him, people, the slaves, other people who are in his entourage, they'd be having children. And it'd be like, God, this this is just like rubbing salt in the wound. 
It's a huge thing for him. It's a huge thing for him. Childlessness is a huge issue for people today. Well, let's, let's, let's be aware of that. Let's be, let's be careful what we say. Let's not be just too casual in what we say to people in public. Uh, and, and, and on Facebook, Facebook, Facebook is, is a difficult one because Facebook is just public. Facebook is saying something and you, and you're thinking, oh, I'm saying something to my friends, but it's public and people, people are seeing it. So, you know, there's a pain that comes when suddenly you click on Facebook. Oh, there's a scan, scan of a baby straight away. Oh, yeah, they're celebrating, but oh, that's hard. Now, of course we want to celebrate together. Don't, don't hear me wrong on this. Of course we want to celebrate together. Romans 12 verse 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We want to do both. We want to do both. And with people who are rejoicing over something, we want to rejoice. Even if we're struggling with something, even if we're struggling with the same thing, actually we want to say, oh, that's fantastic news. We rejoice with you over that. But whilst we're rejoicing, we weep with those who weep. We we get the tension. The tension's always there in life. There's always things that are held in tension. You know, we're coming to celebrate Christmas. It's a time of celebration, yet there's great pain going on in the church. And for some, really feeling that pain keenly. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. It's easier. It's easier just to pull back. It's easier on both sides just to pull back. Actually, if I'm celebrating something, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm rejoicing in something, oh yeah, I, I, you know, if, if oh, I've just found out I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a baby, that's amazing. Well, let's just rejoice with those who, who else, are, those other people who are having babies. Let's just talk to those people. We'll just, we'll just, yeah, people are struggling. I don't know what to say to them. I'll, I'll, I'll find it difficult. And those who are finding it difficult are saying, oh, do you know, there's a pain here. Well, I'll just pull, I'll just get to know people who, and spend time with people who are struggling as well. But that's not the church. The church is actually, we, we come together. We're one people. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. But let's just be careful what we say publicly, what we say with others there, because there's a pain. And Abraham's living in this pain. He's living in the tension between having promises from God Having stepped out in that, but then it just seems he's not received what was promised. And he knows he can't do anything himself. He knows he can't do anything. He can't make it happen. He'd love to make it happen, but he can't. And he's waiting on a God and the silence has come for years and years and years. And then God speaks and okay, okay, I'll hold on. But then the silence again. And the promises can just seem to mock him. He was struggling. He's struggling here. Do you know what? It's okay. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to bring questions to God like he's doing. He's bringing these questions. Oh God, what can you give me? I remain childless. The one who's going to inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. I'm not quite sure what that's about. And, and Abraham said, you've given me no children. A servant is going to be my heir. I'm struggling. God's saying, you know, I'm going to give you this land. How do I know? How do I know that I shall gain possession of it? It's okay. It's okay to say that. 
And, and with each of us, there will be different things in our walk with God that fit in this same pattern that we will struggle with. God has promised something, but we're not seeing it right now. And how is that going to come about? And how do we make sense of what is happening? How do we make sense of what is happening in our lives? How do we make sense of what is happening in the life of the church? You know, we're struggling with some tough questions as a church right now. We're struggling. God. God, why did, why? Why did a young child die when we've been praying for him for two years? God, why has Arnold got cancer again? Having just been through it last year. God, why have you given us this building and you said we're going to fill it and yet every week we look up and there's an empty balcony? God, what's going on? It's okay. It's okay to ask those questions. It's okay to ask them, not just theoretically. It's okay to feel the pain of it. It's okay to feel the emotion of it. Because it's real. It's real. And it's not lack of faith. Faith isn't just pretending that everything in life is okay. Romans 4 talks about Abraham, talks about this situation, this passage really. And it, and it says about Abraham, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he didn't waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God. He faced the facts. He faced the facts. He wasn't in denial. He was saying, this is how it is. And we see the passage. This is what he was doing. He had some real questions he was asking God. He wanted to know the answers. And he knew God probably, possibly wasn't even going to give him the answers, but he was just asking. You know, some people would say that's unbelief, but Abraham's not in unbelief. He's not in unbelief. When we're in unbelief, what we do is we walk away from God. When we're in unbelief, we say, do you know, God's not, God's not who he says he is. What, what God says about himself in the Bible, it's not true. It's not true. I've proved it in my life. You know, I can't see it happening. I'm walking away. I'm not trusting him anymore. I'm just going to make the most of it, of what I've got myself. I, I've got to find hope in something. But do you know what? It's not in God. That's unbelief. That's unbelief. That's saying God isn't who he says he is. He's not reliable. He's not trustworthy. Abraham, is, he's got some doubts. He's got some questions. Yes. Where's he going to find the answer to those questions? He's going to God. He's going to God to find the answer to those questions. He's going to God to say, God, this is, this is where I'm at. He's not running away. When we doubt God, sorry, when we doubt, when we have questions, we go to God. And faith, faith is keeping on going. Faith is keeping on going, even through the confusion and the doubt and choosing to trust God, even though it looks as though everything is just not working out as we thought it would. Now, faith is, faith is trusting God. Faith is, faith isn't trying to drum up more strength and more power. 
and to be more persuasive with God as we pray. So that we can just twist God's arm. You know, if we pray longer and harder and louder, then we're going to change God's mind and, and, and we can make it happen. That's not faith. Yes, God calls us to pray to him. And we will, and we will continue to pray about all sorts of things. And he says, pray, and he hears. So when we pray, he hears, and, and there's something that goes on there. But do you know what? It's not about us. It's not about us making God do things. It's not about us getting our own way. Romans 4 goes on and says, Abraham was strengthened, verse 20, in his faith and gave glory to God. He was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. A better translation of that is in the ASV, which says, Abraham grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. If you feel your strength is weak, if you feel your faith is weak, give glory to God. Worship him. Declare who he is. Come to him and praise him and we will be strengthened. David found that in Psalm 63. Psalm 63, he says this, Oh God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there's no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've beheld your power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. It says there David was in the desert. He could have seemed far from God. But he gave glory to God. And he was strengthened in his faith. And I guess when Abraham asked these questions, God could have got annoyed. God could have said, you know, why should I give you the answers, Abraham? I'm God. I'm God. Why should I tell you? You know, you're just a, you're just a person. You're just a created being. I'm God. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He gives him a reminder. He gives him something to hold on to. Something he will see before him each night. Oh, Abraham, go out. Look up at the heavens. Count the stars. Count the stars. So shall your offspring be. He's given him something that every night when he goes out and he sees the stars, he's reminded, okay, that's God's promise. God spoke to me. He spoke to me about these stars. That's what I'm holding on to. I don't, I don't see it here, but this is what I'm holding on to. Look at the stars. Count the stars. Good to remind ourselves of God's promises. Good to remind ourselves when God has spoken. Again, through his word, through prophecy, feeding on God. So then Abraham goes on and he says, okay, well, what about this? What about the land? What about the land? How do I know I'm going to come into this land? How do I know I'm going to gain possession of it? 
And God, and God says to him, well, take, a, take and sacrifice a heifer, a goat, a ram, doves, pigeons. Yeah, it was kind of the forerunner of the sacrificial system, which God's going to come in place, put under, in place under Moses. Eventually, it's, it's going to culminate in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We, we'll not go into that too much now, but that's what Abraham did. But also, God speaks to Abraham again. And he speaks to him in his sleep. And he tells him what the future will hold. Now, I don't know if you would want to know what the future is going to hold. When Abraham asked what the future, when God said to Abraham what the future would hold, a dreadful darkness came over Abraham, it says. A dreadful darkness. It wasn't necessarily a story of good news. It wasn't necessarily a story of good news. This is what he says. Know for certain your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. Oh, that's not what I was wanting. That's not the encouragement I wanted. They will be enslaved and ill-treated for 400 years. Right. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. And afterwards, they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. And in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Abraham's saying, how do I know I'm going to get this land? And God's saying, this is what's going to happen. Actually, the next 400 or so years, they're not good. They're not good. It's, a, it's about a people who are going to be in slaves, ill-treated, century after century after century after century. But I'm working in it. And I'm going to bring them back. And actually, Abraham, you won't come into it yourself. You will die at a good old age. But you will die. And you'll be buried this is it's not going to happen in the next two or three years. This is the plan. I wonder if Abraham wanted to know. Most of the time, God doesn't tell us what's going to happen in the future. And I think that's a good thing. He's sparing us. He's sparing us because if we know... Sometimes we can just get stressed about it and anxious about it. You know, oh, this is going to happen in the future. You know, we do that with our kids, don't we? I mean, those of us who've got kids, we certainly do it with our kids. You know, because if we tell our kids too far in advance what's going to happen, what we're going to do, they'll just worry about it. How's that, how's that going to work itself out then? How do I, how do I know? We're going to there and then we, and then we're doing that and then we're doing this. Oh, and, and, you know, our kids certainly, they start to worry. They get anxious. And we said, don't worry about it, kids. Don't worry. We'll look after you. We'll take you through it. You know, it's, it's all right, I'm saying. I'm your father. I'll, I'll lead you through this. Yeah, but how's it going to... Oh, I don't understand. So actually, sometimes, most of the time, we just don't tell them until just before or until it happens. Because we want to be gracious to them. We don't want to give them that anxiety and worry. Sometimes as leaders in the church, we do that as well. People, there's been things in the past people have said, why, why do you keep that a secret for so long? Why don't you tell us that earlier? 
We don't want to dump that on you. We'll carry that. We'll lead you through it. You'll get to know at the right time. But actually, we, we, don't, want to, we don't want to tell you this, this, and this are, are going to happen, even if we know. Sometimes God does talk to us. Sometimes God speaks to us through prophecies. He does reassure us. Sometimes when people say, oh, I want a prophetic word. Give me a prophetic word, God. Do you know what? When we get a prophetic word, normally what it is, normally it's things aren't going to be good. But I'm with you. So that when we come into the times that things aren't good, we go, oh, God said it was going to be like this. But I know he's with me. You know, prophetic words don't tend to, for us, don't, um, we, we get too caught up on individual prophetic words anyway, but, but they get, uh, you know, they're not just all going to be, oh, it's going to be great, and you're going to be a leader, and you're going to do this, and you're going to see amazing things happen, oh, it's all wonderful. Actually, you know, you take those with a pinch of salt, maybe. Because normally when God speaks, he can, he, he tells us what's going to happen, but he, normally there's some tough times to go through. So Abram's getting this message, and it's, and it's a bigger picture than he's ever seen before. You know, and actually he doesn't even get the whole message, does he? He doesn't even get the whole picture. God only takes him 400 or so years ahead. He doesn't tell him, oh, and then, you know, there's more to come. Then I have to establish all these things that, you know, I've got to establish kings and, 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 and King David and then that will happen. And then actually there's this guy, he's, Jesus is going to come. You remember Melchizedek? A bit like him. And, and, and he's, he's going to come, Jesus, and he's going to save people and, and he's going to draw in not just this nation, but the nations. And then he will die. For people's sins and, and he'll be raised into heaven and he'll see, he'll be seated at the right hand of the Father from, of me. And then, do you know what? One day he will return in glory and he'll judge the living and the dead. And then a new heavens and a new earth will be established. And then my plan will have come into a culmination. We've got, we've got all that in our word. We've got all that in our Bible. Abraham didn't. God gave Abraham the next 400 years. And he said, Abraham, it's a bigger thing than you ever thought it was. You thought it was about you. You know, you probably thought, when I, when I gave you this word in chapter 12, he didn't say chapter 12, when I gave you, the, when I gave you this word, just so you know where it is, when I gave you this word, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Now, we read this back, and we go, oh yeah, yeah, we know what happens, yeah, the people of Israel, da 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 da. What's Abraham going to think? I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed by you. Abraham's going to get that word and going to think, I'm going to be the man. You know, it's all about me. I'm going to become wealthy. I'm going to, you know, my, I'm, God's going to make me a king one day by the sounds of this. And, and my kingship, my rule is going to be so great, it's going to touch all the nations. That's going to be what he thought. So when he goes into battle against these kings, he's going to be thinking, this is it. I'm going to be the king above all kings. No, you're not Abraham. There is a king of kings coming, but it's not you. It's not you. But he's just got the small picture and God's now saying it's bigger. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. 
And, and, that's what, and that's what happens, isn't it? That's what can happen with us. Because God speaks to us. He speaks to us individually. He speaks to us as a church. And we long to see them come about. But we can just think, this is what's going to happen. It's about us. It's about this people. It's about us sitting here. No, no. God can say it's bigger than that. It's about more than that. And actually, maybe you're not even going to see it come about. Maybe it's for maybe it's for City Church in the generations to come. Maybe we'll all be dead and buried by the time some of the promises that we've got over us as a church come about. That doesn't mean we just go, oh, forget it then. No. We're part of God's plan. We're part of the big picture. That's what God was saying to Abraham. You are a key part of this, Abraham. You're a key piece of this, but you know you're a piece. You're like a piece in a jigsaw. You know when you get a, a jigsaw? If you just look at one piece of a jigsaw, what's that? don't really understand what that is. When you put it in the whole big picture, ah, that's what it is. That's how it fits. And in the whole of God's plan, the whole of God's history, salvation history, right from the creation of the world through to the new heavens and the new earth, we are at a moment in time as Abraham was and we are part of God's plan and we are a piece of that jigsaw. And we can look at that jigsaw piece and we can go, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on. This doesn't seem to fit. It will. It will. It's a bigger thing than you thought. It's a bigger thing than you'd realized. And we can be like Abraham. Why haven't I got the child? When am I going to get the land? No. Get the big picture. Hebrews 11 also tells us that people who live by faith, they don't always see what is promised. So Abraham didn't fully come into it. We won't fully come into it. Hebrews uh, 11 talks about... um, and does talk about what we, we have got more than these people now. But it talks about the heroes of the faith, doesn't it? And twice in verse 13 of chapter 11 and verse 39, it says this. Verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. They didn't receive what they had promised themselves. But they saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Verse 39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Their piece of the jigsaw fitted together with our piece of the jigsaw, fitted together with every other bit of the jigsaw, and the jigsaw that still isn't yet complete, because Christ has not returned, and the new heavens and the new earth haven't come. We still don't see the whole picture. But God is doing it. God is building it. God is making it. And we, and there'll be so much that we are living for and believing for and we won't fully come into it. We will come into it because when the new heavens and the new earth come about, we will be raised from the dead. So if we've died in Christ, we will be raised from the dead and we will be seeing it and we will be part of it then. But on this earth right now, before Jesus returns, we will not see and understand the big picture. It's just a small part of God's rescue plan. And the question, the question that Abraham had, 
And the question that we had today, could have today, in the difficult situations that we are facing, the very real difficult situations, and I've named a few, but you know what? Each of us will have our own. And the question that we can have is, is God trustworthy? Is God trustworthy? And yet, I'm sure that we will all have a lot of questions for him. And we can be honest about that. And we can go to God with those questions. And you know what? Maybe, maybe he will let us know what he's doing through all of this. Maybe he'll reveal something to us, as he did with Abraham. But maybe he won't. Maybe he'll just say, trust me, I'm your father. You're in my hands. You don't need to know what's coming in the future. Actually, I don't want to tell you ahead of time. Because I'm going to be with you. And I will lead you through it. And you're safe in me. I am your shield. I'm your great reward. Just trust me. Just walk with me. You can say how you feel. You can be honest with where you're at. But just walk with me and trust me. And that's the question. And what is our response going to be? Will we trust him? Will we believe that even though we can do nothing about the situations we're facing, however much we would long to be able to do something, however much we would long to be able to change situations, especially where people are facing pain and sickness and suffering, we long to be able to change it. But we can't. Will we believe and trust in God that he can and will help us? Abraham did. In verse 6 we see this. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. God credited it to Abraham as righteousness. That's what that means. Abraham believed the Lord. It's a central verse in the whole of the Bible. It's quoted again, time after time. It's quoted by Paul in Romans 4, verse 3. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's quoted by Paul again in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 6. Chapter 3, verse 6. Consider Abraham, he believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And it's quoted again in James chapter 2 and verse 23. And I can't quite find that, but it's the same verse. (laughs) It's simple. Abraham believed the Lord. And God credited it to him as righteousness. God justified him. God made him right before him. God saved him, you could say, on that basis. He believed even though he couldn't see what was going to happen. Simple as that. It wasn't about Abraham doing something. It wasn't about him trying to do something impressive. It was about trusting. It wasn't about believing and trusting that God was going to do things in a certain way that we would influence or choose. It was just about believing and trusting in God and his plans. And that is the same for us today who would follow Jesus and be known as Christians. It's not about what we do. It's not about winning great battles or victories or stepping out or showing 
how amazing we are. It's about what we believe. And it's about believing God and trusting in him and knowing him. We all love to think we can sort things out in our, in our life. And really the key for the Christian faith right from the start, right as we even come into it, is that we can't. Only God can. You know, people who don't know God say, oh, I'm going to, I can, I can, I can know God. I can get to heaven by being good. No, it's not about what we do. It's not about living a good life. It's out of our hands. It's all in God's hands. And God has it in hand. God's always known we can't sort things out ourselves, which is why his plans and purposes involve Jesus coming to take our sin so we can know God. You know, we are part of the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. We are one of those. We are those stars in the sky. We are his descendants. How could Abraham have seen that? How could he have seen us? He couldn't. But he believed it. He believed it. We know in part, we know more than Abraham knew. God's revealed more through his word. But we don't know it all. We don't know it all. And we never will. But what's our response to God going to be when we have these questions? To turn away in unbelief or to believe and trust him who is faithful?